Welcome to the DNA Podcast, your go-to source for nerd knowledge in the 21st century. I'm your host, Steve Pugh, and join with me again. And I, I have to apologize for the last time he was on the show because maybe I fangirled too hardcore. I was just too excited to have him on the show. Uh, but I messed with my, I, my son messed with my game, but my game was off and he sounded wonderful and I sounded terrible. And so I apologize for that. So I had to get him back on here. Jack the Whipper, Jack the Whipper, my good friend here, sir. And then as well as my adorable, my just always cosplay David Perry on the show tonight. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being on the show tonight. Um, we're going to talk about one of our favorite subjects. Uh, one of us has made a very good profession out of it. The other one uh, is definitely uh, an enthusiast about it. And one of us gets kicked out a lot for drinking too much meat. Uh, <laughs> so without further ado, uh, gentlemen, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about rent fairs here. So, uh, but before we do that, we need to do what we always do before every episode is the what have you been up to? Um, David, I think I finally found somebody who's been able to one up you on what they've been up to. Uh, so, sir, Jack, what have you been up to, good sir? Oh, you know, nothing, nothing big. Just going out to Hollywood to, you know, film with America's Got Talent um and uh whip a spaghetti target up from in between simon cowell's legs i think that's the highlight but also you know in that time uh i got married um what else did i do uh performed at new venues it's it's been an exciting year hit two million followers on tiktok last week just got verified on tiktok instagram facebook so like it's been like it's been the year of the whipper apparently uh, dude, that's awesome. First off, props to you. Congratulations on your wedding. I, I'm very, very happy for you. Um, and I think we're all a little disappointed that you didn't miss a little and just aim a little too high. Uh, with <laughs> no, um, a lot so of people have said that to me. I, I believe that. I believe I don't it. think I wanted to risk my career on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. I've never been on America's Got Talent. David, have you ever been on America's Got Talent? Uh, I would never go on America's Got Talent. Okay. So since neither of us have been on, sir, what did it, what was it like to do well, something so like this? Yeah, it was, it was an interesting experience mm -hmm. um, because they reached out to me um, mm -hmm. and it was more, okay. at least in the very early phases, a lot of them having to convince me to do it just because I was, you know, I was a little nervous about doing it. My big thing was I didn't want to humiliate myself on national mm. TV. Um, and they sort of talked me through it uh, without going into too much detail. It uh, mm. made me feel like, you know, they weren't out to make me look like an idiot. Mm. Um, and we agreed to, you know, we sort of agreed on what my act would be sort of mm -hmm. back and forth. Like, does this work for TV? Does this work? Um, and sort of making sure that it would fit into about a three minute window. Mm. Um, and the other thing I know a lot of people have asked about it is we both agreed that me doing it with the mustache on and doing it a French accent was not uh, something we wanted to do. Um, <laughs> I, I was curious I about of, that. Yeah, well, I felt like coming out like that would have made it seem like I was not a serious act. Mm. Um, and already, you know, coming out the way I'm dressed and calling myself Jack the Whipper is already, I, I felt like that was getting right up to that line and I didn't mm. want to go any further than that. Um, but the experience itself, once I, once we went out there, it was mid April. Um, 
it was two days of filming. Um, the actual audition that you saw on TV, that was the end of the second day. Um, and it was, it was very nerve wracking basically the whole time. Do, it, it, which is interesting because you come from a background of performance acting. That is that it like you literally from a childhood have been in some sort of limelight. And for you to say yeah. that is daunting is well there's there's two things i mean one it's it's i was performing brand new material so the trick mm -hmm. i did with simon i had never done on stage before then um i don't know if you can, can you hear my cat in the background in don't worry box? your cat cool we've had dogs we've had babies <laughs> it's legitimately the tattoo episode there's kids in the background <laughs> it, right, it right, happens cool. life happens we're All good right. so it was, um, it was one, it was new material. And two, it's, it's a new and it's a very different venue and the stakes are so much higher. Uh -huh. And, you know, it's the kind of thing where I know in my head, if I mess up, there's going to be no benefit of the doubt. There's no, mm -hmm. there's, no one's going to be there to be like, oh, it's okay. You did all right. You know, the judges mm -hmm. are going to give me an X and I'm, and I'm gone. And that's my one experience on national TV. So, it, you know, <laughs> the stakes are super high in that situation. Uh, um, and it was, it, it, you know, I was just kind of thinking of like all the ways everything could go wrong. Mm. So the Simon just... trick actually was the one that I was least worried about. One, because I wasn't expecting to do it. But two, because that trick I had practiced so much. I was like, oh, that's fine. I was more worried about like doing the, the trick where I throw the whip and I catch it I was more worried about dropping it in that moment just because my hands would be so sweaty oh I can only imagine so so they came to you it wasn't like I mean you, you see some of these other shows where they have these these cattle call open editions like American yeah. Idol for example to use another yeah. Simon Cowell vehicle so so the acts that go on it's not like people just show up um, at, a, at an arena and they audition through several rows or several uh, 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 stages of before they get to the judges. In in your My, case, you knew you were going to be on on stage in front of the judges from the beginning. Um, yeah, I mean, once they they still had to sort of review my my video, but yeah, my understanding is they still do those sort of cattle call auditions. Um, but in my case, I skipped okay. past all that. So it's kind of a TikTok did sensation. Like were, did you feel like you were a ringer or? I mean, compared to other the other no. people, who go, I mean, were what's the ratio of people who they've recruited to the people who who go just to St. Louis to an open call? Oh gosh, I have know. absolutely no. I have okay. absolutely no idea. Um, I I would suspect it might be fifty fifty, um, okay. but I, I I really I'm just pulling that number out of my butt. Um, okay. You know, in my situation, I I don't feel I didn't feel like a ringer for a couple of reasons. One. Um, I'm a variety act and they've had, you know, variety acts like sure. me on before. The other thing was I wasn't even the best whip cracker there that day. There was another whip cracker who I know, Adam Winritz, uh, one of the best whip crackers in the world. I have four Guinness world records. He has more than 30. Uh, and he was there the same day as me. And it was, you know, it, it, I was glad he was there because it actually made the day go faster because we got to just hang out and chat. Mm -hmm. um, but I was like, yeah, I know it's, <laughs> If my my sort of baseline was if I make it through this round without looking like a fool of my making a fool of myself, I will have considered this a win. Um, and I felt like I got everything that I wanted out of it. <laughs> oh, good. And That's awesome. 
so you you made it through the first round. Unfortunately, you didn't make it through the second round. Well, What's, they didn't take they didn't take me for the second round. Oh, they didn't um, take you for the second. No, round. no, it's I think it's the sort of thing where and this is I don't know what their reasoning was. Um, I think it's the sort of thing where they take more or they they'll accept more acts than they they can <clears> actually <throat> fit in the finals. Um, just because you know you never know if there's going to be an emergency, you need an extra act. Um, but right afterwards, they emailed me. They said, "Okay, what's your availability for the live filming?" And what are your, what would be your ideas for three more acts? Um, mm -hmm. And if I'm being real honest, my ideas for the next three acts were, eh, mm -hmm. I had one more good idea, one mediocre idea, and one idea that I wasn't actually sure that I could do. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other thing was uh, live filming runs right in the middle of, of circus rent fair season. Mm -hmm. um, so it would have been you know, flying back and forth from the Renaissance fairs, missing days over there, missing days here. Um, I suspect it was a combination of all of those, and they just thought there were some better acts. Would be was it guess. bittersweet? No, it's honestly, it was a relief. Um, it? Because it meant I didn't need to rehearse a ton of new material, and I could rehearse on, I could actually rehearse my main show. Mm. Um, how did it feel, knowing that you've done something like this, would you ever do it again? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I would do America's Got Talent. I don't think they would have me back on again. Um, right. You know, it's 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 always fun, and it gets you, it sort of gets you into the conversation. Um, mm. People see you on the air. Um, they see you on TV. Um, but I don't, I don't, I don't know, because <clears throat> I, you know, I didn't expect to win. Mm. per se so this was more you know let me get some pr i think it would have to be the right opportunity i respect that how, uh, now how did your friends over at Bo a boston radio treat you after this <laughs> <laughs> um it was actually they were all really sweet um people that i had not you know had a whole lot of time to talk to in the last two years especially with most people being at home because of the pandemic um a yeah. lot of emails a lot of people saying you know really 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 nice work a lot of people saying there was one person who was like, oh my God, you're, you're amazing on stage. I said, I mean, I've been doing this my whole life. Yeah, I would hope so by now. <laughs> um, so I think for a lot of people, it was kind of an eye awakening um, as far as to, you know, what my other side is. And it was a chance for them to easily see that other side of me. But people have been just, they, they were wonderful. Um, it, it's I felt like being a celebrity for a day afterwards. That's, that's, that's awesome. And I mean, you are very energetic. You have a very magnetic personality and you're very charismatic with your character jack the whipper you are you you do great things and i love it and i've even had people you know i was talking saying how you were coming back on and they went and checked you out or they had seen it and they're going oh my god he's such a great guy and it's neat because then i get to do something like this where they get to see that side of you and see the the alternate side the real you if you will and they get to learn a little bit more um and I, I like that. I think that's fun. And it's cool to see behind the scenes. So something like statistically, <laughs> I think the odds are really amazing here. One out of three of us have done it. But, you know, it's probably something I will never, ever, ever do. David definitely never will do. And uh, it's neat to see behind the curtain of actually what happened and get to experience it a little bit with you. So thank you so much for doing that with us, sir. And you're welcome. And, and I'm so glad you got to do something like that and have fun with it. Good for you, buddy. Uh, David, now I need you to one-up that. I'm 
I'm just working. I just work here. Yeah. No, um, I try to think what else. Uh, I, I started watching Rings of Power Dude. on Amazon. So we're going to have to talk about that later, but you I really definitely will have to talk about that later. Uh, yes, we will definitely be doing an episode on it. Are, are you a Lord of the Rings fan, Jack? I am, but I, I am, but not that much. So we have not, I have not watched Rings of Power yet. Uh, so I liked the first three movies. I am not a hardcore, like my 11 year old, he is hardcore, like Lord of the Rings. Um, I enjoyed it. I, I am in very much enjoying it. We're watching it together. He's also watching Stranger Things with my wife. So he's getting both sides of the spectrum when it comes to nerd culture. Uh, so it, it is, it's neat. And they did a really good job with it so far. But we did not come here to talk about Lord of the Rings. Uh, we came here to talk about Renaissance fairs. Um, I'll open up the question to you because you are the, the, the connoisseur here of the Renaissance fairs. For those of our listeners, because there are some out there that have actually never been to a Renaissance fair, what is a Ren fair, good sir? I think a Ren fair would be, um, it's either a permanent or even sometimes a temporary setup. Um, generally runs between two and uh, nine weekends um, where they basically recreate a 16th century, usually English, sometimes Spanish village um, in Europe. And it's like, it's a festival day. All the houses um, are basically booths where you can buy things that you might have found in a Renaissance village in Europe at the time. Um, you have entertainers who are performing um, generally the way it's been described is as a new vaudeville style. So it's circus and comedy. And there's, there's basically, there's no fourth wall. They're, they're performing directly to and for the audience. Um, and of course there will always be jousts and almost always turkey legs. Turkey legs. Yes. Covered in bacon. Now, <laughs> because you were a new Englander and, and this is, I, this, I never get to ask this question. So I'm excited about this. Um, we have the big E here in, the lovely new england and it's actually here in connecticut so um so we must be part of new england then if we have the biggie i'm just you know for well, previous I, mean, I, think, I think connecticut is um technically part of new england it's just not accepted by the, rest. <laughs> the, the accepted part, part we're new like the, the the bastard child <laughs> um, i, I but, don't think greenwich connecticut is exactly new england no no i i definitely will agree with you there uh, but the biggie it's how comparative would you say Renaissance fairs are to something like that? A biggie, a big fair. Um, I would say there's some, I'd say there's a, a good amount of similarity. We're talking like a, a state fair or a county yeah. fair. Cause I've worked those as well. I would say there's a lot of similarity. Um, it's just, everything is themed. Cause you know, you go to a state or a county fair, there's going to be entertainment. There's going to be shows. Yep. There's going to be shopping you can do. There's going to be fair food, you know, festival food you can get. There are going to be games you can try. Um, there are some differences. So like, you know, I know, most of the festivals I've worked, and I am not usually playing the games, but most mm -hmm. festivals I've worked, I feel like the games are just like, yeah, it's fun to throw knives and shoot bows and arrows and throw axes and ninja stars and all that. It's not necessarily, you know, hit three targets and yeah. prize. Um, it's just like, Hey, you're, give me five bucks and you can throw a bunch of knives. Um, <laughs> Done. So yeah, you know, totally safe. Um, <laughs> By the but, way, drink this honey alcohol. Also, yeah. Also, you've always got mead. Um, 
And it's, it's funny because, you know, I've, I've been at King Richard's for 14 years. I've worked a bunch of years as a kid. I actually haven't been to that many different Renaissance fairs for that long. I'd say the, I the festival I've worked the most besides King Richard's is probably Louisiana, uh-huh. um, which is seven or eight years now I've done that. Um, I did it four or five years at the New Jersey Fair. I did three weeks at the Sterling Festival in upstate New York. It's sort of like I've stopped in at a bunch of festivals, um, but with my, my full-time job, it is hard for me to get to more than one or two just to work, much less as a patron. And I also haven't gone as a patron that much. So, I was going to ask you that. How often do you get to go as a patron? Once in my life. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> We'll have to change that. All right. We're, we're going to have to fix that for you because you poor guy. That's that's heartbreaking. Um, so, so but I'm going to open up this question. Yeah, go ahead. When you go to a fair, do they yeah. recruit you and do you have to sign on for the entire season? If, if that fair runs, for example, for eight weeks, do you have to sign on for all of the eight weeks or just certain weekends or how does that work? It depends on the fair. Um, so you know, Colorado reached out to me over the winter and they said, you know, we'd like you to come out. And I said, you know, it's a June, July, August fair. I said, I can't make that work with my job. Um, I can come out for two weekends and do that. And they said, we don't do partials. Um, but I just did opening weekend at the Maryland fair uh, and they run, you know, the next seven weekends. Um, and then I'll be going down to Louisiana for two of their six weekends later this year. So some festivals are willing to do it. Generally, um, I've found the fewer other festivals are going on, the less they're willing to let you do that because they're like, what else do you have going on? Come just, you know, so, work for so us. When, when you go to a fair, because, I, I, you know, I've seen people, I've seen at some places they have campers or they'll have a little village where all of the, the performers and the workers live. Now, do they live there for the entire eight weeks or do some people go home? Uh, you mentioned you had a, a job, so uh, you know, is is the, is the rent fair a side hustle for you, or just something that you enjoy doing to make some money on the side, or, or how does that work? It's definitely a side hustle for me. Um, it's and it, to answer your first question, uh, it's a combination. So some people are living there the full eight weeks. Some people are driving or flying home. You know, maybe they live six or seven hours away. You know, it's enough to drive back during the week, but not to drive back at night, obviously. Um, and for me, my, my situation is, you know, how much can I perform that I still have time to take a vacation and that I'm not completely run ragged um, at times? And right now is my really busy time. You know, I started performing last weekend of August and my next fully free weekend will be the weekend after Thanksgiving. Okay. Now, That's if you wanted to, if you wanted to make this a full-time job, could yeah. you support yourself going on the Ren Fair circuit as a performer? Oh, yeah. As opposed absolutely. to a vendor? Yeah, absolutely. Vendors can do it, performers can do it. Um, I think I even know a few cast members who do it, um, people who play, you know, nobles or kings and queens. Um, but as a performer, would probably, yeah, certainly be possible. Being a solo act makes it a little bit more complicated just because, you know, you're. You're the only one getting paid, but you're also the only one with the expenses. So, you know, that creates a little bit more tension, but uh, certainly I think it would be possible. So do, do you know most of the other people who go on these circuits? Um, it, I, I would imagine that there is a community of Ren Fair performers, whether it's within whatever it is that you do, as opposed to the falconry people or the knife throwers or the, the jousters. Um, 
is that a is that a big community? Is it a small community? Uh, is it transient? I mean, do some people last three or four years and then they're gone, and then other people come in, or do you have people? Oh, so and so has been doing this for twenty five years and they can't do anything else because they have a liberal arts degree, or, or how does that work? <laughs> it's a, it's a little bit of everything. It is not a big community um, by any means. You know, I'll see some of the same people in Louisiana that I see at King Richard's. Actually, a big reason I went to Louisiana is because it had so many people who used to work King Richard's but had stopped working there. And I was like, I go down there, all my friends are there. So let's, you know, let's go down there for a couple of weekends. But there are people who've been doing it, you know, who will do it for a few years and leave, like you said. Um, and there are people who have been doing it for 40 years, 50 years. Um, and then you have people like my dad, who's performing with me at King Richard's again this year, who did it back in the 80s and 90s left for 25 years and now he's back just to you know make a little bit of extra cash before he retires that's awesome you got your dad back in doing it that's yeah. dude that's that's epic 71 years old and he's doing basically 16 straight weekends so uh, so if, if he's been doing in the rent if he's been on the rent fair circuit since the 80s i would be interested to to find to ask how has it changed i mean because I mean, I've always, I always felt like people who go to Ren fairs and Star Trek conventions were kind of just, you know, the people that were out there, the, the weirdos, to, for yeah. lack of a better word. Well, nowadays, yeah. I mean, I go to the Ohio Ren Fair, which is up in Dayton near me, and I mean, there was a 40-minute wait. The traffic was backed up to the interstate, you know, and there were there were tens of thousands of people there on on our day. So, I mean, is it is it is it mainstream or is it just something that people go for? For the for out of curiosity, or the turkey. I lines. think it's I think it's become more mainstream. Just sort of as as nerd culture has gotten more acceptable over the last you know fifteen years or so. I know the crowds we pull now at King Richards were not what we were pulling when I started back in two thousand eight. Um, okay. Significantly higher, and what I kind of associated with was two things. Um, sort of, we started doing Harry Potter weekend, and that just like blew up among the like younger millennials. Oh, sure. And then also they started doing a Game of Thrones weekend. Um, and I was like, this makes so much sense. You have basically in my lifetime, uh, I'm, I'm in my mid thirties now. I grew up with Lord of the Rings movies, um, which were all great movies. I'm talking about the original three, great movies. Um, then you had Harry Potter, which is like all, it's not, you know, medieval fantasy per se, but it's still magical fantasy, you know, stuff like that. And now, now as adults, we have Game of Thrones um, or had Game of Thrones before season eight happened. Um, <laughs> well, we have, uh, yeah. Well, we House have the, the new show that came out too. Now you have Fire Blood. Blood. Yeah. Um, but so it's like, I think for my, my era, and of course you also had Princess Bride growing up. So I think, I think fantasy and, um, you know, renaissance medieval nerddom i think is kind of it's sort of been with us our whole lives and so as you know my generation millennials kind of enter their i don't know prime spending years as much as that may or may not be we'll see with the in this economy yeah um you know i think that's it that's helped push it into the mainstream um it, I'm curious to see what happens in the next, you know, five years. But I, I said that, you know, after season eight, which was, I think, 20, 2017, 2018. Um, and yeah. the crowds are not any lighter since, you know, Game of Thrones ceased to be Game of Thrones. Do you think it's our generation? Because, you know, both millennials here. Do you think okay. it's our generation is just 
the the nerd culture generation, if you will, because we have grown up with all the electronics, the Sony's, the Playstations, mm-hmm. the Xboxes, and all the gamings of that. And we grew up, let's say, what, in 2000, what was the the first X-Men slash and Spider-Man movies? They were oh, like God. early 2000s. Uh, 02 was the first Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. I don't remember okay. the X-Men movie. So we were in our teenage years there. Yeah. So that kind of coerces like our whole development into and, adults. And, and now you have spending money. That's true. Exactly. I'm Gen Some X. of us have kids. Right. I, I'm Gen X, and that's that's my experience with G.I. Joe toys and all the other things from the 80s. Um, it, it's, it's folks that now have disposable income uh, and, and doing the things that you like. Okay, so I, I'm also curious, you know, you mentioned earlier a second ago that Ren Fairs were set usually in a 16th century, 16th, 17th century setting. How has the proliferation of fantasy at Ren Fairs change kind of the vibe is that good or bad because now you can't go to a ren fair without seeing fairies or without seeing yeah. wizards or link or you know all of these that are that are not you know 16th century european medieval uh, knights i feel like that was always the case or at least as long as i as i can remember so 08 was my first year as an adult doing ren fairs and even then i remember there there were guys who dressed up like as space troopers or stormtroopers um link was always common back then uh jack sparrow was really common okay um even though that would be a hundred years too late um at least at least um sure. and let's be honest my costume and my character is probably 200 years later than it should be but no one knows um so i i don't know that historical accuracy has ever been super hardcore at least not at the festivals that i'm working um, there was a festival I worked um, that was a medieval fair, and they were big on it to the point where they would tell people to get different costumes for it um, to be more in line with medieval outfits. Um, I do not work that fair because I would not be able to fit in. Because a lot of my show is also me pointing fun at, you know, I'm not going to come out there and blatantly say like, hey, guys, it's 2022. Although actually, sometimes I will if, you know, if there's a joke to be had there. Um, but I'm a big fan of people are here. Let's entertain them based on the comedy of the day. I'll throw in modern memes. I've been singing Chrissy wake up a lot. My show <laughs> over the, over the last few weeks, you know, it's, it's a lot of that, <laughs> but you're a showman. That's what you do. You, and yes. you do it well. Um, well, that's, I think that's the big thing is you can be, um, this is my father talking, um, you can be an artiste and be completely true to your medium, to your form. Or you can be, which is what I consider an entertainer, which is um, people are there to have fun. And the, be- the more you can make them laugh, the more you can make them enjoy themselves during that 30 minutes, the more, more successful you're going to be and the more work you're going to get. Um, so that's, right, that's sort of my approach to it. Right, because you know, th- there, is, there is the turkey leg, and then there's ye old ice cream machine and, and the <laughs> bottle of yeah. Pepsi that you, that you get. I mean, I... Yeah. Well, so, so let's take that moment there. Uh, just to kind of talk about the Ren Fairs themselves, uh, because we asked, you know, what what is it so that's so nostalgic to you? Like, Dave, you go to the Ohio. What is it about the Renaissance Fair that makes you go want to go to it? Uh, I like kind of the suspension of disbelief. I kind of like the fantasy aspect. I like to, I like the shopping, you know, because where else can you buy leather bracers and 
and armor and chainmail, you know, dice bags and all that other stuff. And at the, but at the same time, I also really enjoy the performers, um, you know, because that's because otherwise it's just one big shopping bazaar of stuff that I could probably get less expensively from a you know a sweatshop in Pakistan uh, through Amazon. That, that's uh, but, but I but I can't go and I can't see I can't see jousting and I can't see you know some of the mermaid performers or I can't see the jugglers or the you know the the the, uh, the uh, fire breathers and all that other stuff. I enjoy the entertainment aspect of it. Yeah. See, I'm I'm the biggest I'm the biggest cliche here because I legitimately I go for the turkey legs and I go for the meat. I I love that. Now that being said, I am a costume enthusiast well i don't always i don't wear the costumes all the time and i like to see what people come up with and i like to see their costumes and see this artistic work they've done and i love the entertainment thoroughly thoroughly love the entertainment i like seeing the sideshows because there's always there's always dudes wrestling in mud and it's and there's usually a skit that goes with it and it's usually pretty damn good um you you have the sword swallowers, you have the fire breathers, you have the whippers, uh, you have all these shows, and they they do make it really really fun. And then you get, I, actually, one thing I really really like, I like when people take a modern day song and they make it Ren Fair style. Like there is nothing better than hearing something like Seven Nation Army, done and just like complete Renaissance Fair style music. Are you talking like the Bardcore YouTube channel? Well, there's that one. Well, actually, there's a band called Scald. I'm sure you've heard of them. Uh, yeah. Viking band. They did Seven Nation Army. They did it really, really good. That being said, I also like hearing, you know, Diggy Diggy Hole. So, yeah. which is absolute blast too. Uh, so, you know, those are, and while you you don't get to, you've only been to one, breaks my heart, but what? why do you want to perform at Renfair? You literally can perform anywhere. Why? Um, I don't know that I could perform anywhere. Um, Renaissance fairs are what I'm familiar with. It's what I grew up with. Um, mm -hmm. And it's it's not quite as formal as a theater show. Mm -hmm. um, and it's also the sort of thing where, let's say I'm off that day and I don't do, you know, my show is just all right. Um, there are 10 other performers there who can pick me up and, and make that show work better. Uh, you know, and so that, you know, me being on that day is not, you know, what's going to decide whether this person has a good day or not. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, I'm going to try and do a good show, but the pressure isn't quite all on me. Um, the other thing is also, it's sort of, it's an area where I think I can have more success than like, let's say I went to go do my act in a circus. You're one act out of 20. Um, or you know, I'm not famous enough to, you know, go and book a tour of big theaters around the country. Um, so this is sort of that medium where I get to have my own show. I have my 30 minute slot and there's no one else on that stage besides me. It's my show. Festival doesn't tell me what to do. Festival doesn't have any creative control over my show. It's my show. But um, it's not, you know, it's not a, like I said, a big old theater tour across the country. That's awesome. Now, I got to ask one question about your wedding. Did you cut the cake with your whip? No, no. there was absolutely no <laughs> whipping at my wedding. The only whipping I did was before we left for the day, after I got into my wedding suit. No, I didn't even whip that day because I, I, I filmed 
I filmed a We Don't Talk About Bruno uh, whip song, <laughs> but I filmed it two days earlier and I just had to do the trans, you know, I did, it was my wedding day. And I was like, oh wait, hang on. And I do a little like a loop. <laughs> and in the, on the camera transition, I cut on, I'm, I'm in my wedding suit. I go, it is my wedding day. Aww. Yeah, it was nice and cute. <laughs> uh, and everyone, everyone lost their stuff. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Um, so let's, going back to the Ren Fair side uh, for the, the, the patron. Um, if for somebody who's never been for before, what, what would you recommend? How should they transition going to a Renaissance fair? What should they expect? Should they dress up? Um, if you want to dress up, make sure that whatever you wear, you are comfortable being in and more importantly, walking in, uh, a lot that day. Cause you're going to get your steps in, uh, mm. 10,000 steps minimum. Um, the other thing I say is, um, get there early or eat early um eat before you get there if you're if you're a morning person get there early but get there earlier than you think you should because there is a lot to see if you've never been to this particular venue before and there are you know every venue is going to have six seven eight nine ten different performers that you can see plus the joust uh plus people in the street plus cool shops you're going to want to check out um, there is an entire day's worth of entertainment, probably multiple days worth of entertainment um, at every, you know, decently sized Renaissance festival you go to. And that includes King Richard's Fair, that includes Louisiana, that certainly includes Maryland, <clears throat> I think, which is, uh, I believe, the second largest in the country um, in terms of attendance. So there is a lot to see. So get there early. If you're coming to King Richard's, definitely bring cash so you don't have to go to the ATMs because um, a lot of the stuff is cash only. Um, and I always say, like I said, eat before you get there. Um, basically, the less time you have to sit waiting in line, the better. That's that's, that's what I'm trying to get for you. That's a, no, that's pretty good. That's 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 right. pretty accurate. And um, and your costume, your break your shoes in before you go to the fair. Yup. <laughs> and wear your costume in the heat. Because most of the, the summer Ren fairs can be just hot as blazes. And make sure that in your costume, you can go to the bathroom without taking the whole thing off. That's, That's a very good point. One valid point you guys both missed, and I'm actually disappointed in you. Make sure you have a proper place to store all your money. You know, it, depending on what kind of costume you have on, it's you may not have pockets. So Yeah, I have never had to carry money on me at the fair uh, any more than like what I could just fit in my pocket. That's fair. Yeah, no, that, that 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 is fair. You you're up there performing and everything, and just shoving the dollars down your shirt that the ladies throw yeah. at you and everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so there's a backstage area for all the performers. So you you can leave all of your things there. Do you ever change into muggle clothes and just walk around? Uh, not usually. The one time I did, I think part of the issue is I would get recognized. Um, I would get recognized less than you expect because, like, I wash off the mustache and no one can recognize me. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never believed Clark Kent's glasses actually worked until like people I worked with didn't recognize me without the stash. Yes. Um, but uh, the one, there was one time, I, so I, I very poorly played the accordion. Um, and I was working this into a later show, which is like a weird, dumb improv show we do at the end of the day. But I had a Spider-Man costume with me. 
So I put on the full Spider-Man costume and just walked around the fair playing the Spider-Man theme song on accordion. That's awesome. <laughs> and no one recognized me. And it was like, great, wonderful, fantastic. That's, that's pretty epic there. Um, so gotten into it, gotten to find some stuff. Um, what would you say, food-wise, is one of your favorite things? Do, do you eat? The, the, the rent I do. Food. I usually bring my own food just because I'm usually on a diet. I did eat the fair food when I was younger um, a lot more often just because I was less organized back then. Um, mm. My favorite was always, uh, at least at King Richard's, I think they called them, I think it was just like chicken wings and fries. I think they called them dragon wings at the okay. time. They might call them chicken wings. I don't even know if they even happened. I know I didn't like the turkey leg. I actually, I don't think I've ever had a rent fair turkey leg. Um, Just, no judgment no judgment it's, it's not it, for everybody for me no it's just so messy i couldn't eat it and then like i couldn't wipe my mouth because the whole mustache would come off oh. so everything i eat during the day has to be clean enough that i'm not going to need a napkin afterwards um because i'm wearing full makeup i'm wearing stage makeup i've got the mustache on the mustache you know basically it's like i put that mustache on at about 9 a.m and i don't touch my face the rest of the day oh are you drinking from like a straw the entire day no, uh, no, I drink. I mean, I'm just, I'm good at drinking water. Although I will say this, um, I think it was Sunday. I just, I went to go take a big chug of red Powerade and spilled it all over my white shirt. Oh no. Oh. It's all right. It came out in the wash. I think it came Chop, out in the wash. Let me actually, let me check Chopsticks. that real quick. Chopsticks. I'm Chopsticks. serious. Cause that, that when I have all my face paint on, that's what I use. I use chopsticks to put food in my mouth, even if it's not meant for chopsticks. Cause then it bypasses the lip gloss. So you're like you're like a She-Hulk when she has the chopsticks and the Cheetos and everything. Like you've been doing that your entire life, David. It's not stupid if it works. I, I, I'm not arguing it. I I, <laughs> I kind of want to try it. I'm not better with chopsticks. That's not an issue. <laughs> Mostly, I'm worried about like sauce getting like on my lips that I then have to wipe off. That's a bigger concern. That's awesome. Um, Honestly, I, I think this is a, a good spot. David, did you have any final questions you wanted to ask our good friend here? I, I just have mechanical questions about it working for a rent fair. I, I, I'm Go just very it. curious about this and from, from the performance and the business aspect of it, right? So uh, to get into the weeds, right? So, yeah. so you, you contract with Maryland Rent Fair, right? Yeah. And they say, okay, we, we're going to have you come out for three weekends or whatever, and you perform on Friday and Saturday. And so they pay you X amount of dollars for, per, per weekend. And then they also tell you, by the way, you're now obligated to do five shows, for example, right? That, that, is that, that's written into your contract. You're on at 132. I think and so. so. Um, I think it's usually, I, I honestly don't remember if the contract said, you know, that I was doing, I did four shows. I don't know if it said you're, you will do four shows. Um, I think four shows is kind of the understood norm. Um, okay. Some festivals do do that. So like, um, I've had other contracts where it says, you know, we'll perform at the producer's discretion um, or direction, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and most festivals are only working Saturday, Sunday. They're, they're open with, you know, if they're holiday Mondays, they might be open on that. Um, but I would say generally, yeah, you got the gist of it. And when, when you are working, right? So, so you, you talked about working. Do, do you schedule your you talked about having needing some time for vacation. Do you just think to yourself at the beginning of the calendar year or whatever for next year, I don't, you're probably planning into 2023. 
you think I'm going to do this, this, and this in, you know, March, April, May, and then this June, July, August, and then I'm going to take, you know, October, November off. So do you plan, do you have to plan your year out in advance or how far out do you as a performer have to have to schedule yourself? It's, I mean, I'm in a weird spot because, you know, for so long, I haven't been doing that much. So, okay. you know, if for me, all my shows are basically fall shows, King Richards, Louisiana, Maryland. Um, and so King Richards, I'm already under contract for 23. So that's already in the books. And so I know that, you know, I know how much vacation time I need to have when we get to whatever it is, August 31st, <clears throat> to make sure that I have enough time to just, you know, like take a weekend here, maybe take a full week off in between weekends, just so I can get some rest in. Um, most of the time during fair season, I'm taking Monday, Tuesday of every other week off just to give myself two days off. Um, now, as far as negotiations and like contract signings, those are usually done, I would say, and I, I'm kind of guessing here because I'm not full time, generally six months in advance, I would say. Okay. Um, so King Richards will start negotiations basically like the second the gates close on the final day. Um, I've sometimes even signed a contract for next year before the end of the final day. Um, but um, a lot of festivals, it's sort of like, so like Maryland, Maryland reached out, um, I want to say January uh, for a September show. So that were for an August show. So that would have been eight and a half months in advance. Um, and it was, you know, it was still a couple of weeks after that, that it was all finalized. So it's, it's, it sort of depends on what the festivals are willing to tolerate as far as um, insecurity or, you know, um, things that are still in limbo. You know, there was an instance last year that actually the reason my dad came back was there was a, an act that pulled out of King Richard's Fair for 2021, I, I want to say in June. Um, so three months before opening and the entertainment director mentioned me and she goes, is there anyone you know who might want to perform? I said, well, you know, my my dad, I think, is, has some free time. Uh, do, you want, you, do you want me to tell him to email you? She goes, yes, absolutely, please. So, That's awesome. You know, it kind of just worked out that way. And he and I had just, you know, we had just been hanging out talking and he had kind of mentioned, he's like, well, maybe I'll do, maybe I'll do some Renaissance Fair years before I retire. Um, it just happened that way. Look, That's a long-winded answer. Because I, I forgot to ask this question, and I, I want to ask this. Uh, what is, kind of going back from the patron side, um, what is the amount of money before buying crazy amount of stuff that a, the average patron should expect to spend on a Renaissance fair? Um, I'm going to take out the gate because the gate fluctuates so widely. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, not counting whatever it costs to get in the door. Mm -hmm. um from there i mean if you want to spend you know if you're looking to be on an absolute complete total budget mm. um 20 bucks a person uh and that's you know if you have a big meal mm. um so you know let's say everyone has lunch everyone has a beer um you can you can get by with 20 bucks a person um probably even less if you don't eat um or drink um you don't have to tip the performers um i obviously as a performer appreciate when you do tip the performers um but i mean it's you know a tip if everyone it looks 
let me put it this way. If everyone in my crowd tipped me one dollar uh, at each show, I would pull record hats easily every <laughs> single day. <laughs> so very clearly, uh, people are not all giving one dollar. So you know, if you give one dollar to a performer after their show, you have done your part as far as I'm concerned. Nice. That said, I still ask people for five, tens, and twenties because not right. everyone gives a dollar. Yes. Um, beyond that, you may want to go shopping, and things that you want to buy may range from five dollars or ten dollars all the way up to six hundred dollars, uh, depending on what you get. You know, you might get so like the sash I wear in my costume is I think twenty five bucks from a company called Maresca. They're at a bunch of different festivals. Um, and then last year, because uh, last year was a good year, I decided to uh, spend $600 on a Roman Gladius from Sabersmith, which is, you know, they handcraft all of their swords. They are amazing swords. They are real swords. Uh, and now I have a real Roman Gladius. What will I do with it? I have no idea. But I wa I've wanted one since I was like 20 years old. So now Run I Run around your house in your underwear saying well, this is Sparta, yeah. you know? Yeah, there you exactly. <laughs> <laughs> It's Roman, not it's Gladius. It's not Spartan. Sorry, I, I my bad. I wasn't, wasn't going to go there, but you know. you know what? I I wanted to make a joke. Shut up, David. Right. <laughs> so, so you said that you typically do four shows a day, right? You you contract to do four shows a day. Do you usually? Have, yeah. Okay, so I for each in, show, yeah. do you do the same show four times, the, the same thirty minute set, or do you have in case somebody were to come back, if they come to the ten thirty show and the one thirty show and the three thirty, are they seeing the same thing? four times or do you have four different uh four different sets that you do throughout the day it depends so at king richards i try to alternate i have two different shows two distinct shows the only similarity is that in both shows i will start them by singing a whip version of we will rock you because that song works it introduces everyone to the bit of the musical whipping that i'm going to do um and i have yet to find something that is better than it <laughs> um so then from there, <clears throat> I'll do about five to 10 minutes of musical whipping uh, from audience requests. Um, so that's all improv. So that'll always be different. Um, but then the scripted parts that go in over 15, 20 minutes after that, um, I have two different versions of that. So two different shows. Um, that's a King Richards, which is close to home. I can pack extra props. I can bring extra props. Um, when I'm at another festival, usually what I will try to do is maybe do three shows that are all the same. And then the last show of the day will be kind of a funky, weird show where I'll do different stuff. That was what I did down in Maryland. Um, but Maryland was easier because I drove to Maryland. Louisiana, I fly. And, you know, suddenly we're getting into the, the uh, luggage weight requirement, yes. which is uh, something that I have hit more times than I care to admit. <laughs> and the TSA so, search process. Yes, yes. Oh well, my I God, mean, I yeah, can't every, even imagine. Everything in the props has to be checked in a check bag. No, no question about it. Um, so that becomes that issue. Um, so Louisiana, it might be like, hey, come back to the last show and I'll have 15 minutes of different material. Um, but it's, eh, you know, we'll see. And this last thing I have, just how do how do you think COVID has impacted Ren fairs? Because it seems like there were there, there, after COVID, the first in 2021, after everything started opening again, and they started, you know, because in 2020, everything was just gone. 
And yeah. I don't know if that bankrupted people or ruined, you know, a lot of artists or, or performers at, at these. But in 2021, and even this last year, it seemed like there were just gobs of people who were looking yeah. for an excuse to spend money. They were looking for an excuse to get out of the house. Um, I, I, even, I even ran into vendors who they were like, oh, we've been here for three weeks and we are completely out of stock. And I've, you know, yeah. I've got so-and-so back at, at the house and wherever they live, just making capes again because they, they yeah. sold out so quickly. Uh, what, yeah, what you so that sword uh, that I got, you know, took nine months to come in. Um, <laughs> so that was how backordered they were. But um, last year was ridiculous. Um, King Richard's Fair, which is an outdoor venue, reached capacity. I don't know of anyone who went bankrupt from it, but I, I'm not totally cued in on the community, so I might have missed something. Um, my understanding is that last year was an absolute over-the-top year. It didn't quite make up for the savings a lot of people had to dip into. Okay. Um, but so far this year, I'm only... I don't know. It's, it's hard to say because we're only about a week into the season um, at right. King Richard's. Um, Maryland, from what I heard, was a record opening weekend. Um, okay. King Richard's seemed like it was a little bit down from last year, but it still seemed like a great opening weekend. Um, uh, it was a great weekend for me. I, a great opening weekend, I should say, for me. Uh, opening, opening weekend is almost the worst. There's, a, there's an actual real pro tip. Go on opening weekend to your local festival because it's always the lightest. Really? Really? Everyone always, yes. Yes. And I just learned this because uh, a friend of mine who's a regular at King Richards was like, oh, we won't go opening day because it's probably crazy. Nope. Opening day, opening weekend is generally the thinnest. Um, I was opening, day is the, opening day is the busiest of, of the run, but Sunday of opening weekend, pretty okay. quiet. And this past mm. Monday where we kind of had like a threat of rain, was the smallest day I have seen in 10 years. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Huh. I'm writing that down. Yeah. yeah. No, that's that's amazing. Because we were even, my wife wanted to go. Like my my sister-in-law, my brother-in-law yeah, want to go to a Ren Faire because we went to a wedding where we dressed up, mm -hmm. Ren Faire-based wedding. And they said, this was fun. We want to go to Ren Faire. And I said, well, I know a guy. Let's go see him and perform and everything. And we were going to go Labor Day weekend, but we thought Labor Day weekend, it's going to be hectic. That's uh, so King Richard's, the first three weekends are all lighter. Week two is actually surprisingly quiet, especially if you go on the Sunday, because I think I think they have the cleavage contest still going um, <laughs> on Saturday. I am going to decline to comment further on that. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> We're going to uh, just leave that one alone. Married men I here. Believe, we, we would never. Yeah, I think um, so. I think that still draws big crowds. Um, can't and that is all we will say. Yeah. Uh, Interpret Sunday, that any way you I, want. <laughs> yeah. Sunday, um, I think will be pretty quiet. I was basically, mm -hmm. I was looking through my book last year of like, how did I do in the hat each day? Mm -hmm. And I, there was, there was a jump week four. Um, okay. Interesting. And that makes sense because in my mind, I was like, you know, when will I probably go? Um, probably around the middle of like this, because that's where you think that they think, it's yeah. it's already crescendoed. It's you know it's on the downfall of like no that makes last four weeks are the are the busiest. That's so interesting. Good to know. There's another fun fact for patrons. 
So, so uh, should we also watch to see if there's a chance of rain? I mean, is that does that also keep crowds away? Or once yeah. somebody's bought their ticket, or are they just going to go anyway? Um, so this past Sunday or this past Labor Day Monday was empty. Um, it was steady rain up in Boston, but down at the site in Carver, which is about an hour south of Boston, totally dry until 4.30. So basically 90 minutes before the, the gates closed. Um, so it was a great day and there was almost no one there. So if there's a chance of rain and if you don't mind getting a little bit wet, you know, obviously if it's pouring rain, maybe don't go. Um, but if it's just like a scattered shower in the middle of the day, absolutely. And there will be so many, so many fewer people there. That's wow. okay. That's so interesting. I, I, that's, I didn't think I was going to walk away learning something from this. That is absolutely, <laughs> wow, mind blown. The more wow. you know. Reevaluate everything I'm doing in my life when it comes to rent fairs now. Holy cow. Makes <laughs> so much sense. Uh, but I digress. Gentlemen, I think this is a perfect spot to wrap this up. Uh, sir, J Jack the Whipper, David, thank you so much, guys, for being on the show tonight. It has been absolutely amazing. But before we do our wrap-ups, uh, sir, where can the good people out in the wide world of the internet find you, and where can they uh, come see you? So I'm performing at King Richard's Fair through October 23rd, every Saturday, Sunday, and holiday Mondays. Uh, I'll be at the Louisiana Renaissance Festival November 12th through 20th. So that's, I think, their second and third weekends. And uh, as always, give me a follow on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, I do Twitch streaming now, which is a new thing, um, which has been an experience. It's actually what I'm about to go do as soon as we're done. And uh, I think that's the gist of it. That's awesome. All right. So let's go ahead and wrap this up. As always, please like, subscribe, and follow us wherever you're listening to podcasts. And if you are listening to us on Apple or Spotify, please remember to rate and review. We're also on Instagram and Facebook. So please like and follow us at DNA Pod and on Twitter at NerdDNA Pod or on our webpage, nerddnapod.com. I am Steve. I have been joined by Jack the Whipper and David Perry uh, to talk about Renaissance Fairs. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Uh, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you and good night. Thank you.